Welcome to When Spreadsheets Hit the Fan, a Birdview podcast. This is a show for leaders in fast-growing professional service organizations looking for the latest conversations around service delivery best practices. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to When Spreadsheets Hit the Fan. I'm your host, John Litterick. In today's episode, I talk to Kathy Carrillo. Kathy has been in the architecture, engineering, construction industry for over 17 years with roles focused on project management for the last 13 plus years. Her key areas of focus in project management are on corporate and strategic initiatives. She's worked with various stakeholders from the human resources department, the marketing department, finance, IT, data, platforms, you name it. If there's a corporate department, she's worked with it. Uh, during her long tenure, uh, her focus has really been on system in- implementation and integration facts. Here's a real fun personal fact about Kathleen. Her husband says that she has tomato logic. Tomato logic means she can't eat tomatoes on sandwiches, burgers, etc., but she doesn't mind tomatoes in salads or salsas. It's only tomatoes on sandwiches and burgers that bother her. Today, interestingly enough, we're going to talk about something else that bothers Kathy as a project management professional, and that is poorly thought out business initiatives. Kathy's going to share some of her best techniques for ensuring that a business initiative is poised for success right from the launch. And we'll also hear what Kathy thinks about spreadsheets. So if you like what you hear, please follow the show and leave a rating wherever you're listening. Let's jump right into it. Well, Kathy, excited to have you on the show. You are a very tenured project management professional, and you have a lot of great how-tos. So we're going to do something different on the show. I'm not going to ask all the normal questions that I ask. I'm just going to get into it is what's the one thing that you would stop, start, boil it down into a sentence, and then let's just not worry about why it's true. Let's just go on the assumption that it is. And you tell us how you really work hard to get the right behavior from your stakeholders. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. So I'll dive on in. What I would say is stop giving project managers the solution and start telling them the problem. Well said. I'll repeat that for our listening audience. Stop giving your project managers a solution and let them do what you paid them to do. Start <laughs> telling them the problem and they'll figure it out. So I elaborated a little bit for it because I'm with you on this. We talked about this and I think you have a lot of great insight as to why this is true, but we're going to go to keep the podcast relatively short. We're going to go on faith that people believe you and understand that. And I, we want to hear how you manage stakeholders so that they, you know, they don't tell you the solution to their problem. They just tell you the problem and let you do what you need, you need to do as a, a certified project manager. All right. So uh, the floor is yours, so to speak. Awesome. All right. So I think the hardest part of any project manager's job in this case is really how do you make this happen? How do you get them to stop coming to you with the solution? And honestly, I like to take a step back and not overcomplicate this. It's, it's really not something that needs to be overcomplicated. It's pretty simple and basic. And so when someone comes to me with a request, and I mean early on in that effort before it's even an approved project, is I like to take a step back and chat with them and try to understand the following. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. And I'll explain these things a bit more as we go through, but I'm going to go a bit out of order if that's okay with you. It's absolutely. All right. So we'll start with the what. The biggest thing here, and honestly, to me, this is like the big money ticket, the big kahuna, the golden ticket, whatever you want to call it, 
is what are we trying to solve for? And the big thing I really talk to the requester about is don't worry about pitching me the solution or what tool we should use. Give me what the problem is. Because if I don't understand what the problem is, we may not find the right solution. And so we really do need to take that step back to look at the problem so we can guide ourselves to the right solution. Absolutely. Yeah. More than, there's lots of different ways to solve a problem, right? And spot on. Absolutely. I mean, I've had numerous times, I don't even want to go down this rabbit hole, I won't take us there, but the amount of times somebody's given me something, I just ran with it. And then it's like, oh, wait a second, that's actually not what your problem was. The problem was something completely different. So the other big thing that's really important in the left, though, is identifying the value proposition. I'll actually dig into this a bit more in a couple of items down. Also, what's really important to identify is what KPIs are impacted or key metrics if, if your company doesn't refer to them as KPIs and really identifying, okay, if there is an existing KPI, what is it in its current state and what are you trying to get to? Or if there isn't a KPI, figuring out what a good KPI could be. Now, I will be fair, not all projects may have a really easy to identify KPI. For example, you may be talking about taking a manual process and putting it into a system that would automate. And unless your company does really specific and detailed timesheets to where you can identify how much time is saved by that, you may not really be able to truly capture and measure that in a KPI. So you may have instances where you can't have a super strong KPI. But all I can suggest is try to have a KPI that you can measure so you can show that in. And lastly, in the what is what are the possible approaches? And when I'm talking about this, I mean, when you go live with something, can you do it for the entire company? Is it that big bang approach where you have to go across the board for everybody? Or depending on how your company is set up, if you're broken out by offices or regions, if you're broken out by departments or service type or other things along those lines, can you break it down into more easy to approach chunks and maybe only launch this with a specific office or a couple of offices before doing everyone else. Um, so kind of identifying what approach could you take in going live with a change. So moving on into the who, who's impacted? You know, I know, I think sometimes we talk about RACI charts, charts, the responsible, accountable, consulted, informed charts that we do in project management. You could do that here, but honestly, I usually don't even go there just yet. We may not have enough information to know exactly what our solution is to really do that yet. But this kind of preps you for that. Identifying who's impacted, what office, region, department, so on and so forth they may be in. But then also identifying how they are impacted and maybe the various roles. So you may have your CEO maybe impacted or, or someone in the C-suite might be impacted, or maybe it's more on your project managers that are external and client-facing. Maybe it's a big change for them. Identifying what those roles are, though, how they're impacted by identifying current state and proposed future state with this new effort, and any possible problems that may come in there, such as it's a shift in how much time they'll spend doing something, you know, or they may, there may be a lot of time up front because of the change management aspect or the training aspect. They may lose time at the front end, but they may gain time later on. Maybe the value proposition is not strong enough. Identifying problems that you may have with these different groups 
is really important. And also, what is that value proposition and having a strong value proposition for those groups? Additionally, yeah. And that's interesting that you hold off on the racy chart for a little bit. That's wise, I think, because then there's a lot of work goes into a racy chart. And I think, you know, I'm going to call it racy lights, what you, what you do, <laughs> which is good. Okay. I like that. Resonated with me. Yeah. And, and you know, again, to say, it's not to say that we get rid of the racy chart, but it's absolutely something that comes in later on once we know what we're doing. So the other key things from the who perspective that are really important are identifying your key partners. And that can be throughout your firm as well as maybe with consultants, or maybe you need to partner with a consultant. You haven't even identified who that is yet, but identifying who's going to help you with this effort, because let's be honest, none of us can make these projects work on our own. It's always going to be a team effort. So yep. figuring that out, identifying those needs, and maybe it's identifying who you'd like versus maybe who's available to, <laughs> maybe even going to that depth is really important. Additionally, it's also really important to identify who needs to approve the effort. And that may really depend on who's making the request. Obviously, if your CEO is coming to you and saying, we need to do X, Y, Z, you've got the approval. <laughs> but if it's not your CEO, who needs to approve the effort? What steps are there? And what do you need to have in place? And again, I'm not saying you take this initial request there yet. You guys need to build that case. And that's what all these questions are going to do. But identifying, okay, this is the next step. Once we figure all of this stuff out, this is the next step we take to get this into the approval chain. A couple of last who's there uh, is who do you need to partner with cross-functionally? And when I say partner, that's actually very different than when I was talking about your key partners. It may be as simple as you need support from IT because they have to purchase the software. And that may be their only part in it. They may right. not be a key core partner for this effort, but you do need some support from IT. Identifying other areas and other groups that need to work together. You know, maybe your data platform team needs to work with your marketing team because you need reporting help or whatever the case may be. So again, just identifying that so you're really starting to get an idea of what your resourcing needs look like. And most importantly is really identifying where there are gaps in that support. You might need to hire more people and is that something your company is currently capable of doing? Uh, are you in a position where you can hire more people? Is there a hiring freeze? What's going on? And if you can't get those hires, what does that mean for this effort? Are there other people you can potentially partner with across the firm to help you do this? And maybe you just need part-time help from multiple people or whatever the case may be. So that's something just really important to identify and letting your uh, sponsors or the approvers know, hey, we're going to need this. Uh, it's also really important to know long term for these efforts, especially if you're launching like a new system, like a Salesforce or a Workday or something like that, or if you're creating a really new intensive process, who is going to manage and maintain that effort in the long run? Usually most times when you implement something like a Salesforce or a Workday or an ERP system, you want to have a product manager who will then maintain it in the long run. And again, this goes back to that hiring thing. If you don't have that in-house currently, what does that look like at the end of this project? So again, you may not have all of the answers to these who's early on, but identifying everything you possibly can just puts you in a better position to have a better conversation about this project and to really work towards bringing this information to the approvers. Hmm. That's a 
Yeah, it's uh, it's so simple when you say it, but there's <laughs> but it's not you know in the heat of battle you don't do it right. So that's good. That's good. I think our people who are receiving requests should be thinking to themselves: Am I am I following this? Am I doing some version of this? And people that are are giving the requests help out the person that's trying to help you. You know, break it down for them. Think it through. Yeah, exactly. So moving on through the points here, we'll go into the win. Uh, and the win, it's, you know, again, meant to be fairly short and just to ask some very generic questions. You'll dig more into actually creating a timeline and a project plan later on. But it's really good to understand, is there a generic idea of when this should or needs to be completed? Is there something that's driving this and it needs to be done by X date? Or uh, is this something you're trying to launch and it should be associated with the new the launch of the new fiscal year or something like that? So just getting a generic understanding of those timeframes and if there's something there that needs to happen is really important and great to identify early on. It's also helpful at this point to understand if you can roll this out, like we talked about in the what a little bit, do like a slow rollout or again, if it needs to be big bang. But if you are able to roll this out, maybe a few offices at a time, how are you going to determine who goes first, second? And third, without it becoming maybe a big politics game. And how do you let down nicely those offices that aren't going first? And then kind of coordinating all of that. So again, you don't have to have this totally figured out, but having some concept of what you're going to do is helpful. Also identifying what other events may impact the need or the timing for this, particularly around the approval side. So for example, there may be decisions that need to be made or approved by the board. And so you need to have a proposal together for this potential project by a certain date so they have time to review it and or approve it. And if you don't hit that date, it might be another three months before you can do that again. So keeping that kind of in mind as you're working through this as well. And then lastly, and, and some may argue most importantly, but when does this need to be entered, updated, maintained, or reviewed, especially if we're talking about something that deals with data entry, whether that be a brand new system or a change to a process, it's really important to understand what are you, when you're going to need to do these items. So we'll go on ahead and jump into the where now. Where could this information be stored or what are the possible tools we can use to solve the problem? And again, you're asking this of yourself and of the requester to identify what possible solutions. But I think what's really important, again, to hone in here on with the requester is you are not asking them to say, oh, well, I want you to do this in Salesforce or I want you to do this in Workday. No, let's be more broad about this. What are all the possible options? You know, are you only tracking employee information in Workday? And maybe if that's the only system you're doing it in, maybe Workday is the only solution you list. But if you're putting information in Workday and maybe you have Active Directory and maybe you have an intranet with profiles that you're using for your people or something else, what are all the possible solutions? And you may have a general idea of the right one, but go on ahead and list them all down so you can make sure you actually look through them all and do the proper review and mark off the ones that should and shouldn't be considered. The other thing that's really important to identify at this point in time too is of those solutions you mentioned, are there any possible issues or other relevant information that you might need to know? So for example, maybe you're getting ready to renew licenses for Salesforce and your company only bought a certain amount. They didn't buy them for the entire company. 
if the renewal is coming up, maybe that's the right time to talk about getting more licenses for Salesforce for this new initiative that may come up. Or maybe it's the fact that you just don't have enough licenses and that may actually impact whether you can or can't use that tool. So identifying those things early on will again help lead you to a better conversation about, okay, where can we go with this? And lastly, with the where, it's also important to understand, is there any overlap with the solutions or the tools? Do you maybe need to do integrations between your various solutions? And, and again, just quickly identifying, hey, we might want to integrate Salesforce with Workday or, or vice versa, whatever the case may be, depending on what tools you're talking about using. And again, you may not know everything, but just identifying what you can is super important at this point, just so you're bringing all the right people to the table as you continue these conversations and reviewing all the right possibilities. Yeah, it's interesting. That's uh, an interesting angle about when you have the solution, the technology that you might need to support it, the timing on it, you know, with like you gave the example, the renewal for Salesforce. Uh, I've seen that, right? I've seen buying something to fix one problem and then you realize if you integrate it with something else it could you could actually get all these other benefits right and so thinking that through but then thinking about okay how does how does that impact the other technology right do we have enough licenses so yeah these are these are kind of the the nuanced things that i don't think everybody always you know thinks about um because they're always wanting to get to the solution right and taking that step back and thinking all the different angles that you're showing i think it's really 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 helpful yeah, well, I mean, honestly, it's not a bad thing. I mean, we've all been there where a situation comes up, somebody comes to you with a problem and you just want to get them a solution because especially project managers, we are by nature problem solvers. <laughs> but taking the step back can be really important to set you up for success. So, so continuing on into the why, why should anyone care about this effort? And it's funny because whenever I say this to project managers I mentor, they always laugh and they're like, wow, that's really blunt and kind of mean. And I don't mean it that way. <laughs> but, you know, the big thing to remember is that we are all super busy these days. Everybody is constantly has competing priorities and they're constantly overloaded. So it's really important that we as project managers sit back in any project that we're working on we bring it to the table and we make sure that there is actually legitimate value to what we're proposing and that we're not just doing it for the sake of doing it. And that, you know, there is clear value, especially again, kind of picking on project managers that are more client facing. They have so many demands coming at them, demands from the clients, demands from the company, all of these competing priorities and only so many hours in the day. So making sure that whatever we're doing for them actually makes sense is really important. And at the end of the day, you know, you could go into this rabbit hole of all these different why questions, but your why questions and your what questions are the things that you should ask yourself in these what and whys really should align and kind of be one and the same. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it applies not just in project management. In sales, it's important. If I can't tie the purchase of software, we sell software here at Easy Projects Birdview, back to a main priority of the business then it can get deep, the, the need for the software can get deprioritized pretty quickly. Exactly. Right? Because the business is always going to do, the, they're going to start at the top. What's the number one priority? What's the number two priority, right? So I think really understanding why someone should care about this effort, it's, it's crucial, right? It's going to sort of predict 
if the project's like three months long, it's going to predict kind of where, where the intensity is going to be like at, at six weeks or people still going to be really driven to get it done. Right. If it's, if no one really cares about it. Right. So making sure it's a true need and not just like a nice to have is, you know, important to the success of any kind of initiative in the business world. So I don't think that ask, you know, training project managers to ask the question, why should someone care about this effort? I think it's a really, it's a really, uh, really good thing. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. And okay, let's get to the, Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, as I say, and granted, sometimes I word it a little nicer, but for this podcast, I figure I'd just be a little bit more blunt and to the point of <laughs> Good. why should people care? Yeah, we're blunt here. Stop doing this. Start doing that. That's what the program's about. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's get to the how. All right. So how will you get buy-in from leadership and, and others? And again, this does largely go back to your value proposition there, but you may also need to get buy-in at office or regional or department levels, maybe get other people to join you and the one or multiple requesters in that and take it to leadership and say, hey, all of these people back this, here's the why, here's kind of a high level game plan of what we think we wanna do before you can get them to say, okay, yep, you know, we stamped that project with approval, let's do it. Uh, and again, figuring out the best way to do this is really going to depend on your company, the culture, what the organizational setup is and who you need to go to for approval. Also, it's really important to do in the how though, and this step I honestly see missed probably more times than not, is what is the current process? If there is one, mind you. But if there is a process and it's not already documented, write it down, get it in here into this document so you can really understand what that change is going to be because it's going to be really important as you're talking through to leadership for approval and just in general for the value proposition of we're going from this to that and here's the difference and here's how I know there's a difference because this is the change. And of course, within the how is identifying the new process. And re what's really important in here is identifying who will be responsible for entering, updating, maintaining, reviewing that data if it's data-based. If it's the go live of a new system, you will also have process identification in there. Uh, it will be you know, about how do you launch the new system? What does that go live plan look like? And making sure that all of that gets handled. But also, okay, once it's done and it's live, then what? Who's handling it? Who's responsible for, for taking care of and entering information into the system? Who's handling training? Who's answering questions? So on and so forth. So again, you may not know everything at this point because you may not fully have a solution identified, but identifying as much as you can will be super helpful. And lastly is identify accountability and how will that be handled? So again, this is where we go back to kind of the KPIs we were talking about earlier. How will we measure that this was successful? How will we measure that we actually made an improvement? So hopefully that's through a KPI you've identified. And if you can, try to make that as visible on, as possible. Have it showing on high visibility reports or dashboards. Have it brought up and shown in meetings or whatever makes sense for your organization, depending on what's going on. Well, this is great. I mean, that's a lot for someone to just be listening and trying to get all those gems. So this is one of those ones where our listeners will have to, you know, listen and pull it up, apart. Do you have a document? that you follow? Is this all in your head? Is this something you could share in written form for our listening audience? So as far as the who, what, when, where, why, how, that that's documented right there in what I just said. Um, okay. But in terms of 
how I take in this information and what I do with it. Once I've had this conversation, I kind of have gone through that who, what, when, where, why, how with the requester. I take it and I turn it into more of what we're used to in the project management world, you know, scope definition, requirements, so on and so forth. And I do have a template that I'll be happy to share with you and the listeners on, on this podcast called Project Requirements Intake Form. And it's something I've created in the last few years to really sit there and then take that who, what, when, where, why, how and fit it into our project management speak. And sometimes I'll actually send that form out to some of the requesters and ask them to fill it in based on our conversation. And then I'll help them fill it out more fully. And then we can really start developing that business case to take to the leadership and approval committee or whoever that may be to bless the project to continue. Uh, but yeah, I'll be happy to share that with you and the listeners. Oh, well, that's that's great, Kathy. Very generous of you. We really appreciate it. Yeah, this was this was good. Uh, a little different than we do in the podcast. We we talked more more steps, more how to, but I thought it was important, right? Because I once read that uh, you know thirty five percent of all you know project failures can be traced back to how the requirements were gathered, right? Yep. And most of that can be traced back to it wasn't a properly defined problem, right? People went right to solution. So I think this is you know, timeless information. You have some really great insights on, on things to do. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are doing a lot of it already, but they probably heard some, you know, cool gems and insights that they can add to their, you know, their process. And I know I should eat healthy, but I don't always. So hearing a, you know, a message about why it's important to eat healthy and how to go about it, it's a good thing to have every week, right? So I think everybody does know that you shouldn't have the solution in mind. You should go with the problem and really think it through. But we get busy. We have the tyranny of the urgent, and we don't do it. So this is also a good, good one of those good reminders, right? Eat your vegetables, right? How to, <laughs> it's you know how to respect your project manager and use your project manager the way that the office is intended, right? It's intended to be a way to organize. The, the chaos in an organization, right? Everybody not doing everything, but everybody rowing in the same way. So, you know, great message. I love it. Would love to have you back as a guest. Uh, but of course, now I got to ask you, like, what's your favorite, you know, spreadsheet story, good or bad? Oh, geez. There's a lot of them, but probably reporting in spreadsheets. So when people will okay. take a data dump from whatever system they're using and then create, you know, great pivot tables and whatnot to review the data, that's great for that moment in time. But the problem is that that spreadsheet starts getting emailed around. Other people get it two, three weeks, maybe months later. And they're, oh, wait a second. This data is wrong. This isn't up to date. Well, of course it's not because you downloaded it two, three months ago. (laughs) And so then it just creates this tailspin or or a bit of a rabbit hole. Wait a second. The data is not right. Why isn't the data right? Our system's wrong. And I was like, no, no, no. Stop the presses. Everything's fine. This data is just old. So I guess that would be on the, on the bad end of the spreadsheet side. Uh, but I'm sure that's something that a lot of us who have dealt with data or data-driven efforts can really identify with. Oh, I think so. I know I've been around Excel spreadsheets for 25 years, and I would say that is a pet peeve of mine as well. You know, as a salesperson, I see data sheets all the time on number of activities, number of sales in the ops funnel, you know, same, same kind of uh, concern. So, yeah. Uh, I think that's one that will resonate with everybody. So yeah, thanks for being a guest and uh, we'll have you back. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, John. I appreciate it.
You've been listening to When Spreadsheets Hit the Fan, a Birdview podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us to keep delivering the latest and best practices for professional service teams. Until next time.